0: Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, January is commemorated as Sanctity of Human Life Month and recently I talked with Kelly Lester who serves with the pro-life ministry of And Then There Were None. She has experienced abortion, surgical and chemical, and once worked in an abortion clinic. God has done an amazing work in her life, and she talked with me about the dangers of the progressively popular method of chemical abortion using the abortion pill regimen. You will be hearing from her ahead. Then it's David Curry of Global Christian Relief, Who discussed with me how his organization is helping to make more people in the church aware of the plight of persecuted Christians around the world and shared about a new database that is tracking incidents of violence? Material from that conversation is coming up. And on this edition of The Intersection, from a conversation aired on the Meeting House on Faith Radio on the Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, there are comments from former pastor, now media host Andrew Southwick of Culture Crossroads who brought some biblical insight into dealing with race-related issues and how we can see past division based on ethnicity. Finally, from Calvary Central O.C. in Orange County, California, formerly Calvary Chapel in Tustin, Barry Stagner brings perspective on Bible prophecy and developments that are pointing to the soon return of Jesus. This is The Intersection, of production of The Meeting House. I'm Bob Crittenden. Kelly Lester is the Director of Outreach for the Pro-Life Ministry, and then there were none. In a recent Meeting House conversation, she shared about her experience with abortion, surgical and chemical, involvement in working as an employee at an abortion clinic, and how God has worked in her life to change her. Here now from that recent conversation is Kelly Lester.
1: The abortion pill regimen, like you said, it's actually a two-pill process, so you first Take the mifepristone, which basically starves the baby, and then the mesoprostol, which causes you to, um, to for your uterus to empty. So basically go into labor. Um, and what we are seeing is um, I mean, it's absolutely horrifying. For my own experience, um, I thought it would be quick, I thought it would be easy, I thought it would be, you know, less painful and all of those things. But the reality is. It was very traumatic. It was very painful. You are going into labor. Um, You are forcing your body that does not want to be in labor into labor. And it is excruciating pain. It is very bloody and very gory. And I I won't get into the details of that, but it lasts at a minimum for two days. Many women report four, six, eight, twelve 12 weeks of still going through the repercussions of this procedure. And it's an awful thing. And these women, like you said, oftentimes are never seeing a doctor. I, as you were giving the description of the abortion pill, I went online and got to the point, the stage where all I had to do was pay. That quickly, I could order the abortion pills online without ever seeing a doctor. And so with that, they are, you are being asked the, the date of your last cycle. And so there's a estimate of how far along you are. And as you can imagine, delivering a baby at six weeks versus delivering a baby at 12 weeks versus delivering a baby at 20 weeks is a very different process for these women's bodies. And so the experience is very different based on that and very dangerous based on that. And that's assuming best I mean, worst case, obviously, for the child, but for the woman's health. Best case scenario that everything goes as planned. We are seeing women with incomplete abortions. We are seeing women that are septic. We are seeing women that have ectopic pregnancies that do not know ectopics where the baby is in the fallopian tubes or somewhere other than your uterus that are taking these pills and weeks later are still pregnant and don't know why. And it's, Just It's become absolutely so widespread. you were right. The statistics say over 50 percent, but the reality is that's not including websites like Hey Jane, that doesn't include people going to Mexico or going to these other places and getting them illegally. And so the numbers are far greater than we even know. We have over 655, you said hundreds of abortion workers, we have over 655 abortion workers. And they have given their stories and we've talked about our experiences as workers lying to clients coming in and telling them this is as safe as Tylenol. This is just like a missed period. You're not going to, you know, it's going to be like a heavy period. All of those kinds of lies. But then what we've actually seen. In fact, we have a website called littlepillsthatkill.com. And if you go to that site, you will see stories of Women like myself, real and men, workers who worked in the abortion industry, telling stories of what we were told to say and what we actually saw. And so you can see the realities of what women are going through. And unfortunately, we're going to see women dying from this. Mm. And it's very scary.
0: Kelly Lester here on The Intersection. You can find out more at ProLove.com. You can connect through and then there were none from that website. Also, for information on the abortion pill, the website is littlepillsthatkill.com. This is the Intersection podcast with comments from the president and CEO of Global Christian Relief, David Curry. In our conversation recently, he discussed the work of the ministry, attempting to bring ministry organizations together to serve the persecuted church and to provide helpful information about it. He highlighted the new GCR Violent Incidents database through which important information can be shared. Here now from that conversation is David Curry.
2: It should be the case that every church every Sunday is praying for the persecuted and that churches everywhere are trying to make an investment in how they can support believers who are really, uh, uh, you know, uh, under the sort of the, the, at the point of the spear, uh, for what the devil's trying to do to destroy and discourage the church. So it's not about just another program. This is what churches, I think, and believers have to understand. We don't, we're not competing for just another ministry dollar. This is the big picture. How is the devil trying to destroy the work mm. and the move of Christ? And, and and it is through the the persecution, the, the violence and discouragement of the church.
0: David Curry is joining us today, president and CEO of Global Christian Relief here on the Meeting House on Faith Radio as we talk about the GCR Violent Incidents Database. And again, information, light being shown on various people and their plight can be very helpful. So tell me about the concept, if you would, of this Violent Incidents Database.
2: Well, the, you know, of course, I've been part of the release of lots of data that measures uh, persecution of Christians in isolation, you know, the size and the scope of what's happening to Christians in various countries. The challenge that we're now facing is that we need irrefutable data that is compared, that isn't just cherry-picking Christians, because it's just more, become more and more the case that either media or or uh, uh, other sources – don't want you just to, to talk about your little issue. So what we're trying to do here is to say, look at the, you know, I'm highlighting the persecution of Christians, but this index measures what's happening, the violent index of, of persecution against faith in China, for example, of what's happening to Muslims as compared to Christians or, or, or uh, people of other faiths. So it's going to give us a perspective so that we can say with an unimpeachable source this is what's happening to the church and hopefully that's going to both motivate the church to to wake up to what's happening because i think there's a lot of lethargy on this issue and it could be that we're just overwhelmed by all the other bad stuff going on hard to fit in another piece of bad news although it's not all bad news there's a lot of encouraging things happening mm-hmm. and then uh but also to you know for those people who are making policy and and uh you know i deal a lot with the secretary of state's office and these kinds of groups the white house of the various administrations to try to help them understand that countries who have some degree or improved freedoms should be speaking out on these issues And when you talk about
0: this sort of data, it's something that can be used. You mentioned the media earlier. You talk about policy makers. Then, of course, you're talking about Christians that are sitting in the pews in our churches and really being aware. So what do you see that individual Christians can do in response to this information?
2: Well, of course, Global Christian Relief, and you can find us online at globalchristianrelief.org. We have projects. We have prayer movements. We, I think it starts with prayer because th- there are so many places that are c- closed uh, in such a way that we really need the spiritual element. But moving beyond that, there are projects that will help to support the church that's experienced violence when we look at the list there are uh countries where you have churches that have been destroyed or closed and we can rebuild churches uh we can uh, advocate for a uh, place we have countries nigeria's you know the country mm. where more believers have been killed for the last decade and and again in this reporting period on the violence index it's There were 7,321, 7,321 people killed for their faith in Jesus in Nigeria. I was just there six weeks ago, and I could tell you, it's a dangerous place to be a follower of Jesus. So we have projects and places and ways in which we can help them. We have camps in Nigeria. Uh, I went and visited them where you have widows whose who's husband was killed because he was a believer. How are we going to help? the trauma care, the the support of the family so that they don't just shrivel up and die.
0: David Curry here on The Intersection. You can learn more at globalchristianrelief.org. This is The Intersection podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming menu at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, as well as that programming menu, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, through that homepage, there is a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel through which you can watch video of Meeting House guests. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on X or Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Plus, you can find conversations through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Search for Faith Radio Podcast at Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, and other podcast platforms. Continuing now with this edition of the Intersection Podcast. The host of Culture Crossroads, a weekly program streamed online and available through Beck TV, that's B-E-K-TV, Andrew Southwick, brought some biblical insight into dealing with race-related issues and how we can see past division based on ethnicity. He highlighted principles from the book, More Than Reconciliation, Coming to the Table of Grace, which he has written. Here now from that conversation is Andrew Southwick.
3: The main inspiration was the church. And so I planted a church in uh, in Central Florida. And this is about 10 years ago when I planted the church. But over the course of that ministry, one of the things that I noticed was we as many of us as Christians, obviously not everybody, but many of us as Christians and many churches tend to accept the world's narrative about people, about relationships, about uh, you know, all kinds of things and the problem is when it comes to something like um and, and I, I hesitate to say race relations because i'll say this at the outset god created one race it is a human race yeah. and i think what often we re- what we refer to as race we really mean culture and culture has nothing to do with skin color because you can have plenty of cultures within one mono skin toned group or what have you but anyway um but we, we we accept a lot of those premises and and understand why because we grow up through school and we have a narrative about race relations and it's um white people prejudice against black people and that's pretty much the drum beat that we hear and it really minimizes uh, what what human relations is actually about and why we have differences and why we why we um have a hard time with them sometimes and so on and so forth but when but when we the church if we have the ground of god created male and female male and female who created them and we're not talking about different races, we're not talking about that, we're talking about nations, yes, but he created people, one race, the human race. Why is it then that we engage in the in the efforts to find um relational harmony from the world's perspective, when the world's perspective denies what God actually did. And so, so you know what we gotta get back to the reality that is from scripture, the truth that is from scripture. We're we're too much we're fighting on on. Foreign soil. We're fighting on, on the visitors' court. We need to bring this mm. back to the home court advantage, and that is uh, based in the Bible. And so, uh, I walk through that. I, you know, I share some uh, some personal stories uh, of of how you know racism had affected my life, not just in in uh, in secular life, if you want to call it that, but also in the church too, and what what that was like. And then also why the church is the best weapon against partiality, and really the sin of racism is partiality. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what the Bible calls it. We're, we can be partial about a lot of things, um, that w- why the church is the best weapon and the best refuge uh, against and from that.
0: Well, I'd like for you to just share about, you mentioned something with respect to the church that you had planted in Central Florida and how you saw the world's perspective being. Adopted or received in the church, and tell me about what you saw, how that was manifested, and really how you attempted to shift the focus, if you will.
3: Okay, so humorous little humorous story for you. All right, um, I planted the church with another pastor, and uh, uh, my my wife is white. I'm black. My wife is white. He is. My co-pastor was white and his wife, black, from Haiti. And my wife, when we planted the church, she worked in the children's nursery the whole time. And so really for the first six to eight months of the church, no one ever saw my wife because she was always in the nursery. And church planners, anybody that's done that kind of work will understand, you know, why that has to be sometimes. But anyway, uh, my co-pastor's wife was at the hospitality and the welcome table, so everybody saw her. And after a little while, some of the, uh, some of the members started asking me, you know, why, Andrew, why, why is, why does your wife always go home with Pastor Jay? And I'm like, and I'm like oh, no, no, no. That's not my wife. That's Jay's wife. My wife is over here. So, the, but the, the assumption that, well, he's black, she's black, and they must be married. Um, Why? Right? And so it just got me thinking, and it wasn't, I wasn't mad at anybody. I mean, I understand I understand why, but then I want to know, why do we make that assumption? Why do we jump to those conclusions? Well, that's because that's what, that's what we see. That's what we've been taught. And that, of course, this way, but why Uh, God isn't limited by color when it comes to relationships. Why are we? So, um, so really then it was just a matter of, okay, how do we, how do we demonstrate that we're not, we're not looking at the world the way the world does. We're not seeing people as creatures of world demographic or, or media propaganda. We're, we're going to see people as creations of God. And really, that was just, uh, uh, it was teaching, it was discipleship, and it ultimately it led to the book.
0: Andrew Southwick here on The Intersection. You can find him online at Soto, S-O-D-O, mediaproductions.com. Finally, here on this edition of The Intersection Podcast, some comments from Barry Stagner. He serves as senior pastor of Calvary Central OC in Orange County, California. In our conversation, he shared more about the Israel-Hamas conflict and elaborated on developments in Israel and the world today that he covers in the book, The Time of the Signs, A Chronology of Earth's Final Events. Here now from that conversation is Barry Stagner.
4: Well, there's a multitude of things, I think, that are are increasing in frequency and intensity, like Jesus summed up as you uh, read a moment ago or mentioned a moment ago. I I like to call Matthew 24, 3 to 8, the preamble to the Olivet Discourse, <laughs> where he kind of sets the stage. And, um, you know, he, he closes that with, these are the beginning of sorrows, so and that can be translated as the commencement of birth pangs. So the things that he mentions there uh, are an answer to a question asked by four of the disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. So they are specific to the question, which was about the last days and the signs of its coming. So, uh, you know, we see the, the word uh, nation against nation. That's the Greek word ethnos, and uh, it, it means ethnicities. So there'll be ethnic tensions. He uses the word kingdom against kingdom, or the phrase kingdom against kingdom. That word, the Greek term is basileia, and uh interesting about that word uh at the root of it it means the right to rule so people are going to be fighting over the right to rule and look at what's happening in america uh you know lots of heinous things being said about Netanyahu uh in israel to try and get him uh removed from his position and you know so we see this this bickering over the right to rule ecuador right now here you've got the cartels fighting with the government and You know, and it's all about the right to rule. And then, of course, during the tribulation, uh, there'll be uh, pestilence or or plagues, obviously. And then uh, the famine is going to reach a degree where under the rider of the third horse of the famed Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, uh, a quart of wheat or or three quarts of barley, which is the cheaper grain, is going to cost a whole day's pay, uh, which is equivalent to one meal for one person. And so how are you gonna feed a family? So all the economic things we're seeing now are precursors to what's going to ultimately be fulfilled during the tribulation. But as you also mentioned, Bob, the technology and all the mechanics of monitoring global commerce are already in place. And to me, I think that's just something that we need to highlight and, and consider as a marker in time because you know, if the, the structure is being built, I mean, it's like a house. You see the framework going up, you know what's coming next. And so now we have the framework for the mark of the beast and the Antichrist to dictate who can buy and sell mm. uh, through the technology that's already available today.
0: It's interesting. You were talking about the Internet broadcast that you and Amir Sarfati had done during the COVID-19 Pandemic. Did you get? And when you said that, something popped in my mind. I think it's actually timely here as we end up our conversation. Did you get the sense at that time? And also, with people that were asking questions on these various programs that you did, were you sensing that what was going on during COVID 19 was that something that maybe also was a foreshadowing of what could be coming upon the earth in the future.
4: Oh, absolutely. There's nothing in the course of modern human history that has united the globe more than the COVID pandemic. There was a there was a universal, truly a global approach, a global attitude towards this, and it was based on the vaccine acceptance or rejecting. And uh, all, all these things just brought the whole world together to fight a common enemy. And, you know, there have been empires over the, the, the course of history that would be deemed as world-governing empires or world uh, rulers. But there's never really been a literal uh, single global empire. You know, even the, the Roman Empire at the Pax Romana, you know, at its zenith. It didn't rule the whole world. Uh, It ruled a section of the world. But truly, for the first time in history, we had, under the COVID-19 pandemic, we had a world that was united behind a single cause. And therefore, the world became, uh, in a sense, uh, uh, bowing before, if you will, Mm -hmm. uh, a single uh, united entity that was seeking to govern the activities of the planet. And um, it, it, without question in my mind, Bob, really turned a corner as far as the globalist thinking.
0: Barry Stagner here on this edition of The Intersection. You can find him online at barrystagner.com. The church website is calvarycoc.org. Well, we are nearing the conclusion of this week's edition of The Intersection podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or the programming menu at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House radio program. You can also find a link to the Media Center through that programming menu. Plus, you can find links to The Intersection podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. And there is a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel through which you can watch video of Meeting House guests. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on X or Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page, Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can reach it through the programming menu at faithradio.org. Thanks for joining me for this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.